It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous. My defense is impregnable. And I'm just ferocious. I want your heart. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero. It's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you listen, whatever you're watching, hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simon's Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. Or give my man a call, 912-268-2328. 912-268-2328. Find out why I'll go all the way to St. Simon's to get an authentic Italian meal. Today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Turning Stone Resort and Casino and their next live boxing event, which is Saturday, October 21st. I'm going to be there. So you should be there, too. Come on up to me and uh, mention uh, uh, the show. And, uh, hey, maybe I'll uh, sell you an autographed copy of my book. You know what I mean? The fight's going to be a good one. It's going to be on HBO. Uh, Jezreel Corrales is the main event. And uh, Demetrius Andre was just added uh, as the co-feature. So I'm looking forward to that on October 21st. And today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino from Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet, The Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now, where all good books are sold, and you can get a copy of it right now. While you're watching or listening to the show, just go to barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. And like I said, you want a signed copy? Come on up to me October 21st at the Turning Stone Resort and Casino, or just visit our website, billycboxing.com, and click on the book. You can't miss it. Um... Also, stay tuned for our next Billy C. Boxing event. We will be announcing it soon. A lot of stuff in the works. Uh, We told you guys that uh, we were uh, not doing live shows uh, a couple of days towards the end of last week because we were installing some new system-related stuff, which uh, hopefully uh, things uh, are are, uh, going a lot quicker and smoother on your end. Uh, And uh, we will be scheduling... Uh, another uh, Billy C. Boxing event soon uh, so we can uh, uh, do another uh, uh, revisit it. And speaking of revisit it, the last time we did a Billy C. Boxing event down in St. Simon's Island, we had some great guests. We had uh, former world champions uh, Marlon Starling, Bobby Chez, and, of course, the character himself, uh, Ray Mercer, uh, as well as myself and Sal Rocky Senecola. Now, um, up until, well, I shouldn't say up until today because it's not available yet. But up until almost today, only the people that attended uh, the event live got to see uh, the speaking and uh, 
uh, you know, comments that were made by uh, all of us, myself, Sal, Ray Mercer, Marlon Starling, and of course, Bobby Chez. Uh, until now, I will be uploading the interviews uh, prior to our show that we did um, over the next day. As a matter of fact, tomorrow it'll be up because we're not doing a live show here. So rather than not do a live show, we're going to submit that and we're going to put it up on our YouTube page uh, so you guys can check it out. Some uh, only to be seen here on Billy C. Boxing uh, interviews with Ray Mercer, Marlon Starling, and Bobby Chez. Um, coming up a little later on the show, Dax Khan will be joining us uh, to get his thoughts about the big news. The big news today uh, took place last week, actually. Uh, Luis Ortiz fails his performance-enhancing drug test again. Uh, the Deontay Wilder fight that we all wanted to see, uh, which would clearly... Uh, define where uh, Deontay Wilder sits, at least in my opinion, uh, in the heavyweight division, may be on hold. Then again, it may not be because uh, Deontay Wilder claims that he wants to uh, make this fight happen anyway. Uh, joining me right now from St. Simons, uh, looking pretty scruff with his beard and mustache, is uh, my man uh, Sal uh, Rocky Senecola. It's looking good, Sal. It's looking good. Thank you, Bill. It's a, it's a, it is a new look for me, and you know this was uh, I, I owe it to uh, Hurricane Irma um, and uh, the lack of power to and, and water to see where I'm shaving. So, uh, but I started growing it then, and we'll, we'll see. I'll keep it on for another another week. I'm actually going to take some headshots for my acting portfolio, and you know submit some of those in there too. I don't know. Uh, you know a little scruff is not enough. Hey. No, it's not. But I, I would take a little more scruff on the top of my head, if you know what I'm talking about. But uh, some fights that took place this weekend that I just want to yes. uh, talk about real quickly, because there's really only two uh, fights that I... Um, and, and and no disrespect to all the other fighters uh, and fight events that took place. I, you know, it's just that we can only talk about so much stuff. And uh, the World Boxing Super Series uh, is uh, obviously one that I'm very high on. And uh, Marius Breedis improved to 23-0 and with 18 knockouts when he scored a 12-round decision over my man, Mike Perez, who drops to 22-3 and with 14 knockouts. Mike Perez, uh, as you know, uh, was a heavyweight uh, contender, and discipline kind of ruined him. And he turned that around. He looked fantastic. He looked great, as Tony DeTiger <laughs> would say. Um, you know, dropping down to uh, uh, the cruiserweight division, losing uh, oh, well over 40 pounds. Looked good, uh, didn't fight as good as he looked. Uh, it was uh, not exactly an exciting fight. What bothered me about this fight is, um, you know, a lot of times, and, and of course, Team Perez is complaining they got robbed. The way the judges scored at 116, 110, 115, 111, 114, 112. Um, they didn't, you can't just be an aggressive fighter without throwing punches. Um, uh, Mike Perez was the aggressive fighter, was moving forward, was wailing away at uh, Breedis. The problem is a lot of his punches weren't landing. Uh, they were wild. And, and to tell you the truth, Sal, I thought, you know, I really expected more from Mike Perez. This is a Cuban fighter, and we all know how the Cuban fighters are. I mean, they're uh, all the Cuban fighters share one thing. You know, they're very technically sound and and most of them are sharp shooters at least the ones that that you know gain 
the recognition and notoriety that Mike Perez has. I was a little, uh, I was a little disappointed in his wild man approach. What's your thoughts? What could cause a fighter that's, you know, technically sound and then all of a sudden uh, going in a, as a wild man? You think he was just going in for the kill, or uh, what's your thoughts? Possibly. I mean, maybe he looked at the styles of fighting and he wanted to shake it up, wanted to surprise the element of surprise. I mean, most Cuban fighters also have a good reputation of taking a good shot. So maybe he just felt he was going to wade in there and throw some barrage of open punches and be wild and, you know, that he wasn't going to get caught. But, uh, you know, it, it, it never ceases to amaze me. Fighters that have had success, they know what's got them there and the fundamentals and, and their core of what makes them. Uh, better or, or, or world class, uh, you know, is is something they should never abandon. And when you totally abandon a style or what you're used to doing that gets gets your success because, for whatever reason, you you think you're going to change, you know, it's it, it it shows like it did the other night. Um, also, uh, one thing I also want to mention about the World Boxing Super Series: out of the eight fights that were in the first leg. Four have been completed, um, and in this particular fight, Breedis now will move on and fight Olaxander uh, Usyk. And, um, you know, just a little FYI for everybody, the A-side, the guy whose name is announced first, the guy whose name is first on the on the poster, so to speak, or the bill. Um, I don't mean the bill that I get in the mail. I mean the fight <laughs> bill, you know, um, has won. They've won them all. A uh, little uh, FYI tidbit there. Uh, rematch that took place uh, uh, in uh, Liverpool, England, between Paul Paul Butler uh, and um, uh, Stewie Hall. Little Stewie Hall uh, ended uh, the same uh, way. Uh, Paul Butler beat uh, Stuart Hall via a uh, unanimous decision uh, to improve to 25-1 and one with 13 knockouts. Stuart Hall drops to 21-6 and six with a couple of draws and seven knockouts. Uh, 117, 111, 118, 110 twice uh, with the way the judges uh, scored that one. Uh, now to the, the main topic of today. I got a bunch of emails to read. We got some NFL scores and everything else. Um, but, uh, but, but here we go again, Sal. Uh, Luis Ortiz... Uh, a guy that I'm so high on. I, I love or or Luis Ortiz. I'm disappointed that he hasn't fought as much. He's been uh, uh, the first time he tested positive for performance enhancing drugs. He got a warning. Second time he tested positive for performance enhancing drugs, and these are tests that we know of. Uh, he got a ban that he served, and uh, finally uh, he gets uh, uh, beyond that, and he gets the fight of his career, the fight that he's been waiting for, Sal, against Deontay <laughs> Wilder. And we get the fight we've been waiting for for yes. Deontay Wilder to fight a guy like Luis Ortiz. And uh, apparently he's tested positive uh, for some uh, uh, PED uh, or at least some uh, uh, drugs that were on the uh, banned VADA, uh, the WADA prohibited list. Um, they're under masking and derotics uh, category. Uh, both of these, uh, um, uh, which I'm not even going to try to pronounce, uh, Ortiz's camp claims uh, came from his hypertension uh, uh, prescription uh, for uh, high blood pressure, uh, which is fine. But, but here's the thing, Sal. If you're on medication and you're part of the VADA testing, which... 
is the clean act that the WBC has put in place, which Ortiz uh, is uh, registered under. You're supposed to inform the powers that be what meds you're currently on so they can give you a waiver. I, I, I'm a little surprised that Team Ortiz did not submit that. Are they going to claim that they didn't know? I mean, what's your thoughts on him testing positive again? And if it is truly from his uh, you know, prescripted uh, meds, why didn't they go out and, and mention it? What's your thoughts? Well, you know, he's probably subscribed to the uh, talk about subscriptions, <laughs> probably or prescriptions. It sounds like he subscribed to the uh, old thought of uh, better to say uh, I'm sorry than ask for permission. And uh, the bottom line is, yes, you have to disclose these things. If you're on blood pressure medication, if you're on whatever it may be, they need to be disclosed to the commissioner right away because definitely it's going to show up somewhere and uh, you you don't have to have to have it explained if it's already disclosed they can they, these guys are smart enough to say well this, this is the residual of, uh, effect of this this medication's here but it's disclosed you know about it okay it's no surprise here when you, when you don't disclose oh by the way yeah now i want to see a note from the teacher or a doctor's prescription or whatever it might be the bottom line is these guys they, they they're smarter than what they appear to be they know the rules they know regulations so if they're trying to do or be nickel slick and trying to do something it's because they have something to hide it's not because of their ignorance and just not playing that they, they by the rules you know it makes me wonder why Luis Ortiz would would uh, risk this fight um, from taking place, especially since it's so important to him. Uh, now, again, this is alleged. They haven't uh, made any decision on the B sample or anything else. And this is the voluntary uh, anti-doping uh, policy that, uh, uh, that the uh, uh, WBC has in place. I, I just want to, before we take our first break, I want to give you the latest from Team Deontay Wilder, specifically Deontay Wilder. Uh, he said, uh, uh, basically, he still wants to fight Ortiz. He says, I'll be fighting on November 4th in Brooklyn. Uh, it's all up to the WBC. Whatever they want to do with it is fine. I already put in the request that I still want to fight him no matter what. Because if wow. these MFers keep doing these PEDs, they're just going to do it. So if you need some help with me, fine. Let's make this fight happen. But again, it's not up to me. So we'll see what happens, baby. Uh, this was a quote that he put up on uh, Instagram uh, over the weekend. And I, I can't help but wonder if it's true or not, Sal. Um, you know, as a fighter, Deontay Wilder... And, and as any fighter, or any athlete for that matter, I would think that you want an even level playing field with whoever you're performing against, whether it's uh, on a football field, a baseball field, or in a boxing ring. I think that you, you want to at least feel that you and your opponent are, are on the same level in terms of you know what you have bringing into, into war, so to speak. I, I find it... First, fascinating that Wilder's willing to do it, even though, uh, or you know, if if this does work out and and you know, prove that he uh, uh, indeed uh, took a performance-enhancing drug. On the other hand, I'm wondering if if Deontay Wilder is just using this as a way to say, "Hey, I wanted this fight, boys and girls, but the WBC won't let me." 
What's your uh, quick thoughts on that? Well, you gave two perfect scenarios, you know, and now the rest of the story. I'll tell you why. This could be a perfect opportunity that Deontay Wilder is taking to pound his chest again, knowing that no commissioner is going to allow this fight to happen or occur with uh, it being disclosed that the, that he has taken a uh, that Ortiz has, has taken some performance enhancing medication or drugs, whatever it might be. Um, or on the other hand, hey, guess what? It's true. He says, hey, I'm the baddest man on the planet, at least in my mind, and I don't care what he's got. It's not going to help him because I got my two fists that are going to knock him out and it's going to end any questions whatsoever. I'd like to believe it's the latter, but it might just be the former, and uh, we'll see. Um, that it's, it's a good question, Bill. Only, no, only, only uh, the shadow knows. This is true. <laughs> um, it's just it, it's interesting because – um, you know, Wilder had used uh, the cheater platform of why he avoided Ortiz for for a while, you know. So uh, now all of a sudden he says, I'll fight him anyway, a unless he loses. A and then if he fights him and loses, he's saying, well, it was because of the steroids. He's a cheater. You know, no. I, I, I don't know. It, it just seems to me that they're, they're putting some <clears throat> excuses in place. But... Uh, Hold that thought. We're going to take a short. Yeah, exactly. They're putting the some butt butts factor. in place. They're putting some butts in place. And maybe butts they're nervous that. about losing butts in the seats if this fight doesn't go down. And remember what I had predicted a long time ago. Glowaski was the next uh, opponent that they were going to feed to Deontay Wilder. Maybe that's going to happen. Hey, listen, we're going to take a short uh, break. When we come back, more on that, more on some news. We got uh, some emails, all that stuff coming up in We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, with me right now is my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And, uh, you know, Sal, they had just announced the undercard for the uh, Ortiz-Wilder uh, fight. Um, you know, also on that card, uh, one of our favorites, uh, Sean Porter, uh, was yes. uh, scheduled to fight uh, on that card in Brooklyn against Adrian Granados. Um, I mean, uh, a showcase fight. Uh, I, I don't think Porter should have trouble with uh, Granados. No disrespect to Adrian Granados. Uh, and then also they had... Um, Sergi Lipinitz uh, taking on uh, Akirio uh, uh, Kondo uh, for a vacant uh, IBF uh, junior welterweight title. Uh, those will be the three fights that are on the, the TV broadcast, uh, including, of course, Wilder and whoever he's going to fight, whether it's Ortiz or not. But also on that card, which will be streaming, is a fight that I think should be on the television broadcast, Sal. Um, Berman Stavern, who once again yes. uh, made a ton of money stepping aside, letting um, uh, Deontay Wilder fight Ortiz. And for all we know, maybe Stavern 
gets to go right and fight the guy he's supposed to fight anyway in Deontay Wilder. Uh, he's scheduled to fight Dominic Brazil, which I like. I like that fight. I like Brazil. He's a tough guy, uh, uh, not as polished as I would like to see. But uh, uh, what's your thoughts with them tentatively scheduling that fight, which heavyweight fight we're all interested in seeing, uh, and that's on the stream versus the other two fights, which are show showcase fights. Well, of course, the showcase fights are going to be competitive. They're going to be good showcase fights. However, yeah, I would prefer to see the Brazil fight. The guy's an action-packed fighter. He comes to fight. Uh, sometimes we got to be a little concerned because he does take some one hell of a shot. I mean, the guy could take some punches. And uh, but that's going to be a decent fight. That and yeah, I don't see why they don't have that as a uh, co-feature. Not a co-feature, but definitely a, a televised fight. They should consider that. Well, this card at home might, might even fall apart. Who knows? Maybe they'll step up and be the opponent for for Brazil. Who knows? Well, that's I what mean, I, for uh, Deontay Wilder. That's my point. You know, maybe maybe now, you know, since Wilder has uh, so uh, kindly put it in the WBC's hands, uh, maybe, <laughs> uh, maybe that's uh, exactly what's uh, going to happen. But uh, uh, speaking of uh, uh, the anti-doping agency, it was reported uh, uh, late last week that both Triple G and Canelo Alvarez completely and successfully completed their random drug tests uh, as issued, and uh, both had come up clean. Um, that's a that's a positive sign. I mean, I didn't, I wasn't expecting either of those two guys uh, to be on any kind of performance enhancing drug, and both, you could argue, are at the top of their game both are at the top of their division and neither had to use uh, a little help from their friends uh in order to get there um is isn't that the example we want to set sal that's leading by example you have two world-class champions facing each other fighting uh for the title again and and they they live the life you know they are warriors look at the essence of where they evolved from come on these guys have been been they were kids they were children they were fighting they, they evolved they always did the right thing they treated their bodies with respect they trained diligently they always did what they had to do and beyond and that's why they're who they are today they're on top of the world they're world class and you know they've done it correctly they did it right they didn't have to use anything to cheat they just used their mind body soul and uh for those of you to believe the grace of god so uh you know, I think that uh, I think it says a lot, and uh, you know, I, I I can't emphasize enough how you know the performance enhancing drugs in the world of sports today. Uh, it doesn't have it, it. It really is a shame, Bill, because there should be there should be a drug league and uh, a natural league, and you know, there's enough enough things uh, available in the health food stores that is legal by today's standards that can, you know, even work as a placebo, give your mind, whatever it is, if you need to feel you have a crutch. But, man, what a better way to, to get into a ring and fight and just know you don't have to be dependent upon some kind of chemical or some time, type of enhancement that this is what you're entering the ring with, what you were born and what you evolved to and what you trained and what you did on your own. And that's the thrill of victory. That's the whole essence right there. You don't need any drugs and bull right there. Forget about it. I'll tell you right now, if they made two uh, leagues of boxing, one clean 
and one uh, you could use steroids, I'll bet my last dollar right now that the league that has the ability to use steroids will be much more popular. Fans will want to see them go in there and try to kill each other. I'm telling you. That it's, you know, the, the, <laughs> That's the, where we've the, come to. The sad truth is even in baseball, you know, when these guys are taking performance-enhancing drugs and they're knocking a the ball across state lines, um, you know, and then when they get caught, everybody shakes their head. But why the smacking home runs? Everybody loves it, you know. But uh, another thing that uh, came out of uh, uh, the news uh, concerning Triple G and Canelo, Golden Boy has issued a uh, uh, specific statement uh, regarding the pay-per-view sales, which technically have not been released, even though there's been several reports uh, saying that uh, uh, they fell uh, slightly short of two million buys. I think one point, or maybe maybe it was slightly over a million. I think I, for some reason I thought one point seven, but maybe it was one point three. Uh, but uh, uh, Golden Boy Promotions is why everyone uh, a pre- here at Golden Boy appreciates uh, the media's recognition that the fight between Canelo and Triple G was an enormous success. The figure that's being tossed around by some news outlets is simply inaccurate. We expect the final numbers to be well north of the current reports and we'll be making a decision and reporting those numbers as soon as we know that they are 100% accurate, which uh, is a good sign. The the one thing that still is in my mind, though, Sal, you know, unless I missed it, unless it came under the radar and nobody's talking about it, I've yet to hear the actual pay-per-view sales figures for the McGregor-Mayweather fight. Uh, They were talking about breaking (laughs) records and everything else. I did hear one report saying that it did not break any records, meaning that the uh, Pacquiao-Mayweather fight still is the number one. Uh, But I'm curious to know why that hasn't... uh, I mean, we got to see uh, Floyd's uh, uh, life-size painting of of, uh, Conor McGregor in his new new house in in, uh, California, but... Uh, we haven't heard the numbers. I, 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 hmm, it makes me wonder. What do you think? Well, I think you're right right there. I mean, when I called and ordered the fight to bring it into the uh, restaurant, uh, I asked. And, you know, I have a good relationship with some of these guys. Uh, I've been dealing with them for years, and they knew me from the, my days of fighting. And, and when they said, hey, our, our numbers are right on track. We're going to exceed. We're going to surpass this and that. I said, well, that sounds interesting. That sounds good. I, I, I just don't see it. I don't get it on the pulse of the street. I don't feel it. But, uh, you know, so maybe they knew something I didn't know. Or or, or if it was on track, you know, I, I'm surprised that the numbers haven't <laughs> been disclosed or came out yet. So I'm a little suspicious of that myself, Billy C. A couple other things I wanted to announce real quick before we take a break. And when we come back, we got a bunch of emails to read. Um the IBF announced uh, uh, late last week that uh, the light uh, the light heavyweight fight between uh, um, uh, Atur Beaterbeev and Enrico Colling uh, will now uh, be for the IBF version of the world light heavyweight title that Andre Ward vacated when he retired. Uh, originally, it was going to be for the uh, uh, number one position to earn a shot. Uh, at Ward, so now the Beater Beef uh, Coling fight is for that title, and uh, it was also announced that the rematch between uh, current WBA regular old middleweight world champion Hassam Nadam uh, uh, out of France, 36 wins and a couple of losses, uh, and his number one uh, contender that he has to fight in Royota Murata 
out of Japan will now be televised on ESPN2 Sunday, October 22nd at 7 a.m. This fight is uh, taking place uh, in Tokyo. So uh, that's actually some good news that we'll get to see that one uh, on TV. So uh, uh, anyway, hey, listen, Sal, let's take a short break. When we come back, uh, we got a, a, a slew of emails here. And then we got Dax Khan scheduled to come on uh, at uh, at 9 a.m. So uh, don't go anywhere. And just don't forget, everybody, uh, programming note, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow. But check our YouTube channel because uh, I will be uploading uh, the last Billy C. get-together, uh, the speeches and stuff that uh, former world champions uh, Marlon Starling, uh, Ray Mercer, and Bobby Chez did, along with... Uh, myself and of course Sal Rocky Senecola and it also included uh, on that will be the official presentation of uh, Sal Rocky Senecola's title belt uh, which I had the luxury of uh, giving him uh, that night so uh, make sure you uh, watch that uh, when it's uploaded tomorrow so uh, uh, we'll be back in two Billy C will be right back check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching The Billy C Show. Glad uh, you could be with us this morning. We got a bunch of uh, emails to read. Uh, and with me now is uh, my man, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola. And Sal, before we uh, read the emails, you know, unfortunately, you know, and, and this show, you know, we, we, we talk about uh, mostly boxing and some other sports. And uh, a lot of times we have a lot of fun on this show, Sal. Um, and sometimes we get into topics that uh, maybe we shouldn't, uh, especially on the political landscape. But, uh, you know, uh, the news uh, out of Vegas, uh, which is uh, headlining now, um, and, uh, you know, we're getting some confirmations and stuff is, is pretty saddening, uh, in case you didn't know. Um, there was a country music festival going on in Vegas, and a 64-year-old, I'm not going to mention his name because I don't want to, give him any press but apparently he opened fire on the crowd killing at least 50 uh injuring 200 um the police shot and killed him uh, our thoughts and present condolences go out to all the uh victims friends and families and everyone that's injured we hope uh gets a fast recovery but geez sal it's at the point now where uh, are we safe to go anywhere? I, I mean, you know, I was talking to some people the other day, and Europe has been hit a lot by by terrorists, and uh, even though this is probably the work of, of a madman, I, I don't know what the reasoning was behind this. Uh, maybe just didn't like country music. I don't know, but uh, uh, it's sad to think that the life in this world, at least, at least in the free world, um, is coming to the point where you want to think twice about going to a movie theater, let alone a concert. What's your thoughts? Bill, what you said is just very right on. I mean, 
you know, you have to think twice now. Where are you going? And what the, what's the venue? Uh, what's the population going to be that you're going to be partaking in? I mean, it's it's part of the era that we have uh, uh, grown into knowing as as terrorism, whether it's domestic, whether it's um, ISIS, Al Qaeda. Anything else? I can't say this was anything. I don't know who was, who was behind this or who's going to take credit for it. But still, the idea that you are going to be partaking in a country music concert uh, and have a good time, and there's going to be some madman in a hotel across the stadium or whatever from a window with an automatic weapon just gunning you down and your life is over in an instant. I mean, that's scary, Bill. And that's that. Uh, I I think you know. Thank God they got this guy, and that hopefully they'll find out who was behind it and what was the the motivation, because there really isn't any thing that would make sense. And uh, you know, my my heart's felt sympathy and prayers, you know, to all the family members and those that have lost their lives. And uh, yeah, we definitely need to have a little bit more. Uh, uh, going on as far as security, as far as other things, because this is going to happen more and more. Uh, you have these people out there, madmen. They they don't even need motivation. Just like fighters find a way to beat the system with performance enhancing drugs, nutcases will find a way to beat security measures. You know, I, I mean, uh, if there's a will, there's a way. And unfortunately, and, and, you know, not to get off track because I got a bunch of emails to read, but the world is made up of a bunch of copycats. And, you know, growing up and being an old man, um, you know, I, I can't recall. And I'm sure there were, you know, gunmen uh, out there 100 years ago. Uh, as soon as they invented guns, people were using them for the wrong reasons. But. Ever since the Columbine uh, murders that took place, when when the kids uh, uh, when the kids uh, when the kid shot all those other students on on campus, you know, and not to be confused with Kent State when it was the police who killed the, the students, but um, I, ever since then, and that got into the press and everything. It seems to be like copycats, you know, trying to their, their last bit of of uh, uh of notoriety you know being the not remembered as the guy who shot people at a concert or something you know it's it's pretty sick stuff i mean you mentioned uh almost a, a line from one of my favorite movies earlier and i was going to say something about it but uh james cagney in, in white heat you know i'm coming to join you ma you know uh, uh you know at the end yeah. when he's uh ready to get uh he knew he was going to get killed uh but uh it's sad you know and you, you wonder what what the hell people are thinking? You know, do they want the fame? Uh, they just want to bring as many people down with them as they can. I mean, he obviously didn't think he was going to get away with it. I mean, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's sad and uh, uh, it's scary. It's scary to think that, you know, we're all taking a chance walking out to our car. And, and I hate to put the fear, but when push comes to shove, aren't we? Well, we never know. Any Hey, like I always say, in a fight game, any given night, you know, a fighter can lose. You you never know. We take life for granted. You have, you, you know, I, I hate to keep going and, and, and pushing the envelope we're talking about, but in a sense, we don't know when we turn our key on in our, in our car. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what we're going to do. We don't know if we're going to return home. We, 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 
we we should and and uh, I, I know that uh, we anticipate nothing's going to happen, but you never know what's in the cards, Bill. It, and, and it doesn't have to be just – it could be just by accident, just by anything. You, you never know what, what's out there, what's in store, and what's the game plan. And, uh, you know, you take life for granted. It's very precious. It's very valuable. And you know what? You never should be uh, one – that takes it for granted because you never know when that that, that uh, thief in the night is going to hit you. This is true. Got some emails. This first one's from my man Mitch. He says, uh, hey, Billy, uh, like I said, uh, with Wilder getting uh, uh, brave and traveling overseas to fight Povetkin, uh, he says uh, they knew, he's saying they, the team Wilder, knew that Povetkin had failed a drug test, but they wanted to make it seem like Wilder was brave, so they stayed until the end, and then when the news broke, uh, he walked away. I feel it's the same here with the Ortiz fight. Uh, Ortiz just failed another drug test. Uh, he did uh, d- did it. Uh, did he do it against Jennings? Didn't go well against Malay. Oh, oh, he did it. Meaning he he took the drugs and did well against Jennings. Didn't do it against Malik Scott. But just like Povetkin, who didn't actually fail, from what I hear, but that's a whole nother story. And then his replacement, Andre Warzik, failed, so his fight with uh, Wilder was uh, off. All these guys failing when it's time to fight Deontay Wilder via the WBC, which uh, Mitch puts in parentheses, Heyman controls, which I'm not so sure about that. But anyway, he says their uh, clean boxing program. Are all these guys scared of Wilder? I'm calling conspiracy here. Wilder is being protected once again. Gas up the bus, Charles Martin or Konaski. You are about to go on stage in November. Uh, wow. And he, he had sent me uh, uh, an email, uh, a copy of an email, basically saying uh, this, uh, similar stuff before uh, Wilder went and fought Povetkin. Um, interesting uh, uh, view and opinion of my man Mitch. Um, and, you know, I, I can't help but agree with the fact that I don't see anybody being afraid of Wilder. I, I, I you know, it, it's like it's like what I always said about Floyd. You know, Floyd chose his opponents. He earned, even though I disagree with it, he earned that um, ability to do that. Name all of the concessions that he was going to do. Everything, everything was in his favor. He picks his opponent. It's like a lotto. Uh, you get chosen by Floyd. You know you're making a ton of money, um, I, but but no one's afraid. No one was ever afraid of Floyd Mayweather, unless you were a woman or a, a young man that was you know 21 years old or younger. The only those are the only people that could technically be afraid of Floyd Mayweather. But no professional fighter was afraid, and I certainly agree with Mitch here, Sal. I don't think anybody's afraid to fight Wilder. Wilder hasn't proven that he's that much of a destroyer yet. He's destroyed B and C level fighters, but has yet to beat an, uh, beat an A level fighter. Has yet to beat an A level fighter. I don't even. I'm not even sure Deontay Wilder should be considered an A level fighter. Do you think it's just Deontay Wilder being unlucky, or does Mitch is Mitch onto something here? Do you think that they're you know fabricating results? And I'm not suggesting they did that with Ortiz, but are they fabricating results? And does Team Wilder already know 
once they sign the paper that this guy's going to test positive and that he's going to end up fighting somebody else. I mean, what's your thoughts on on that, uh, uh, you know, idea and and um, thought process of my man Mitch? Well, I, I think Mitch, you know, without just saying it's a conspiracy theory, I, I mean, I think, you know, it, it's part of the playbook of what you can expect. Where, you know, Billy, you and I have said many times here right on the show that, you know, I I know I have said that, you know, fighters are commodities and you ride a horse as long as you can. And, you know, if he's making everybody money, we want to get that horse <laughs> well fed and uh, well on top and ahead of the pack. I'm not suggesting that that's what they're doing with Wilder. I'm not suggesting that they're making these things happen. But you know what? It it, it again would go back to the hey, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck. Hey, guess what? Slip a punch and duck. No, I'm teasing. The, the, um, the, the <laughs> truth the the truth of the matter is is I, I agree with Mitch 100. Yeah. percent I don't think there's anybody out there that's afraid of Deontay Wilder. I just don't. You know, there were people out there afraid of Mike Tyson. There may be people out there afraid of Anthony Joshua. There might have even been a lot of people afraid of Vladimir Klitschko. I just don't think anyone in a heavyweight division is afraid of Deontay Wilder. You know, uh, I don't know. I don't know. They're really protecting him, and um, he's yet to prove anything. Uh, Anthony Joshua has proven that he's the real deal. He beat the guy who controlled the division for a decade. So, I mean, that's enough proof for me. Um, next email is from uh, my man Coach, and he says, uh, "Hey Bill, I know you really wanted to dodge this political mal matter of kneeling during the national anthem, but if you would please indulge me for a minute, uh, imagine." And and, and he, he sent me an article. I'm not going to promote the website that it came from. Um, I'm not even going to promote the title of the article. But he says, "Imagine during what." Uh, should have been the boxing event of the year uh, after Triple G and Canelo stood for the uh, their respective anthems in protest of the wall or pork tacos. Canelo kneeled during the national anthem. What would that? Uh, what would and should boxing do in this event? Um, he says. What also bothers me in sports and news reports, uh, uh, false report. What bo also bothers me in is the sports and news reporters' false press coverage. First, the comparison to Ali in the draft, uh, Kaepernick putting nothing on the line, uh, plus the long false reporting on uh, the NFL rules. There are rules concerning sideline side line conduct in general and during the national anthem for the NFL players, as well as a federal code. Uh, and he lists the code as 1996 U.S. Code Title 36. As far as the free speech matter, Having the right doesn't make it right. Once again, it's a special interest click carrying on. Uh, don't fringe on our rights while we trample yours. There is a time and place for everything. Imagine Congress remaining seated against parliamentary rules when President Obama came out to do his State of the Union. Uh, would the same people be screaming freedom speech or peaceful protest? I could go on and and. Uh, I can go on and on, and there are endless examples of abusing the right. What I want to ask, uh, having read the article above I sent you, is what do you think about it if they start taking a knee during the national anthem in boxing? What's next? Would it be accept acceptable for some disgruntled fan to do a free speech jumping jacks during a cer ceremonial 10 count? As for Trump, 
You don't lose your free speech right when you're elected president. In fact, it would fall under his most important job, uh, which is national security. I think most open-minded people see it as the president's job to interject on national security matters, which would have, which, which of course include uh, national morale, the flag, and our national anthem. He didn't jump right in and inflame a racial matter like the previous president without even knowing the facts. He just pointed out, uh, as an employee's, your free speech rights are limited. Would you allow free speech to cover Sal or anyone on the show mentioning rival radio shows during uh, Talking Boxing with Billy C? Absolutely not. Your thoughts on taking a knee and its possible effect uh, on boxing. First and foremost, I absolutely do not like other people talking about other shows on this show. And it's not because I think that they're rivals or competition. It's just that I don't want to give anybody any uh, promotional benefit from my show without the return. If they returned it to us, I have no problem promoting other stuff. Now, as far as uh, taking a knee in the sport of boxing, I think it's ludicrous. I think it's ludicrous that we take a knee in any professional sport, and I think that that's finally uh, coming to tuition where a lot of teams this weekend, in the NFL specifically, uh, chose to lock arms rather than kneel. Um, the, the, the whole thing about this, Sal, and, and we'll get your thoughts in a second, was last year when Colin Kaepern Kaepernick started doing this, he chose this in a, in a way of a form of protest. Uh, and the protest, in case y'all forgot, was inequality issues. And everybody jumped all over Colin Kaepernick for doing it. And at that time, I said, and I still feel, that, that he's got 100% right to protest in any which way he wants, except, in my opinion, I feel he chose the wrong method by incorporating and blanketing in our national anthem. Because after all, our national anthem basically gives him the right and it stands for the ability for the freedom of speech. So I, I think that taking his um, you know, demonstration and blanketing in the United States national anthem was 100% wrong. And I still feel that way. And a lot of these uh, players that were trying to show unity, unity, among the NFL versus Donald Trump when Donald Trump said they should be fired, they were taking a knee. So it got out of whack because nobody knew what the hell they were doing. Listen, freedom of speech, 100%. We get that here in the United States. But kneeling and showing disrespect to not only our country, our national anthem, and our service people, whether they are active or non-active, is wrong. That's my opinion. What's yours, Sal? I agree, Bill, and and you know it, it's it's funny because we saw some of the effects of of uh, uh, what the players were were trying to represent or stand for by seeing what the fans were were, were retaliating and doing. They weren't supporting the teams. They weren't. Uh, I mean, not everybody, but I mean, it was catching on. And who knows? I mean, you know, you want to see uh, an organization disrespect uh, our patriotism, our flag, which uh, the country that they are performing in has made them uh, wealthy and, and, and famous and everything else. I mean, it is a slap in the face. If they want to protest, they have every right in the world to protest some issue. But, you know, during our national anthem, our nation's honor, 
uh, and our disrespect, showing disrespect to the service men and women that help provide the element of what we have in the United States of America uh, for them to use as as a vehicle uh, is is disheartening, and uh, I don't think it's it's right. So you know, hey, guess what? You want to protest something? Go ahead, do it, but not not in a venue that uh, has given you every opportunity in the world to be who you are, where you are, and what you are. Um, and that uh, definitely would reflect. I mean, you saw the fans. They didn't. They, some of them didn't show up to the game. Some of the people were protesting uh, uh, the protest. And, uh, you know, I, I, if I ever saw a fighter do that, you think he'd be as famous worldwide uh, or within the United States as he is today? I don't think he would. And uh, I think the fate is in the fans' hands because they are the ones that pay the tickets that uh, help uh, uh, these, these 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 sports figures get their millions of dollars. I was glad to see a lot of fans uh, boycott yeah. the games this week. And one of the players was saying, hey, you know, if the fans don't want to show up, good riddance, don't show up. And I'm saying, what an idiot. Doesn't he realize? You know, I mean, and, come on. <laughs> well, I, I'm wondering. That says it right there. He's a mental midget. I'm wondering if the NFL came down on him. But uh, uh, anyway, we got uh, another couple of emails here. A real long one from my man, uh, Mike from Michigan, which I'll get to after uh, Dax comes on. But uh, uh, we got uh, two others here. First one is from uh, my man Chris from Canada. He says, uh, hey, Billy C., Danny Garcia versus Bam Bam Rios uh, is apparently going to happen. It's uh, in the final stages of negotiations. What do you and Sal think on this fight? Um, My thought initially, Sal, is, um, you know, Bam Bam Rios was one of my favorite fighters as a lightweight. Um, You know, to move up two weight classes and fight Danny Garcia coming off a, a loss uh, to me, just spells one thing. It's getting Danny Garcia a win so he can get another big payday, and it's getting a payday for Bam Bam Rios. Uh, you know, uh, Bam Bam Rios' style uh, of coming at you and just throwing a lot of punches and wearing you down as you're hurting your hands on his face uh, maybe worked in the lightweight division. Uh, it's not going to work in, in the welterweight division. I, I'm kind of... I'm kind of... I'm not crazy about this fight. Uh, you know, it's not proven anything for Danny, and all it's going to show for Bam Bam is that he's going to be able to take a beating again for a paycheck. What's your thoughts? Well, Bill, again, you know, I, I have to side with you here. I mean, again, you know, some of these these fighters are a little uh, aggressive with gaining one weight class is fine, but uh, especially with the five-pound, six-pound difference, that's okay. But when you jump two, and, you know, it might be evident. He's looking for a payday, and he's going to give it all he's got. That's great. But, yeah, when you have a swarming style, you're aggressive and everything else, and it, it works great against uh, guys your size or smaller. But, uh, you know, when you try and do that, uh, you still can be effective. You still can win. But uh, Danny Garcia is the A side here, and uh, he's going to come out the A side there. Um. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it's uh, it's it's a payday. Uh, at least, uh, at least I think it is. But uh, uh, anyway, uh, my man Mitch has another email. He says it's not exactly hardcore evidence that the PBC is breaking up. So I don't want to make any excuses. But he's giving us but. the butt here. He says Danny Jacobs. He says first Danny Jacobs fights on HBO, and then we have a contract set for him to sign and fight. Uh, at least three times on HBO. Now there's a strong rumor through the grapevine that Adrian Broner could be fighting at Madison Square Garden. 
uh, on the undercard of Miguel Cotto's December card. By the way, Broner is rumored to be fighting Lucas Matisse. I, I did hear that, by the way. Uh, he says uh, Cotto will potentially be fighting David Lemieux. Now, that has Golden Boy written on it. So I ask, is Al Heyman cashing Broner out? B, is it basically PVC waving another white flag? C, is it Al saying, Adrian Broner, if you can last against Matisse, I'll keep you around for a few more fights? Uh, or D, is Al deciding to be who he is and just be another advisor while not using pseudo-promoters like the Bella, Kings Promotions, uh, etc.? Uh, I'm staying tuned for Billy C. Stradamus's answers. Same bat time, same bat channel. Um <laughs> Listen, I think it's a sheer case of the... We talked about this a little bit last week. Thanks for the emails, uh, Mitch. I, like I said, I got uh, two more uh, emails I want to read. Uh, actually, one more email I want to read from my man Mike from Michigan uh, after uh, uh, Dax comes on a little bit. But um, for, first and foremost, Al Heyman, forget the PBC. The PBC model did not work. Uh, Al made a mistake. Uh, he should have done what we thought he was going to do. Uh, you know, uh, uh, we had looked at this fight, broke it down, looked at every possible, and uh, not the fight, the PBC in general, every possible scenario, and he came up short. He thought that all the other networks would, would follow him because of the numbers. That wasn't the case, and he, he ran out. He spent all the people's money that he had. They cut him off. Uh, therefore, he doesn't have the money to do it. So now all he is is an advisor. And as an advisor, you try to get the best possible fights, money as well, for your fighters so that you make the best possible commission on that. Um, this is what Al Heyman is. He's a businessman. Everyone that thought, and specifically uh, a lot of African-Americans all were thrown in my face that he's helping out the black man and he's getting them all the money and all of this stuff, which was the wrong approach for anyone to believe that. Uh, incidentally, he had some white fighters under, under contract too. Uh, but he was looking out for himself. He was not trying to save the sport of boxing. He was not looking out for the African-Americans. Al Heyman was looking out for himself. And business was business, and I think that this is a clear case of it now. Sal, what's your thoughts? Well, we have said from day one, you know, boxing is business, and you have commodities as fighters, and you're going to promote, you're going to break it, and, you know, and Al Heyman had a, a bank account, a bankroll that uh, that was put up for him to utilize. And uh, even though it was a great ride with some great fights, and, and we were very, very impressed, and it was great. It was a great idea. But like I said, and you said, Billy, from day one, that he's going to miss the bandwagon. His, his efforts are going to go unrecognized on some level of being having the continuity, the ability to, to continue. And once the cash dried up, guess what? The fish were no longer biting on the hook. And that's exactly what happened. So you, you called it again, Nostradamus, Billy. <laughs> yeah, you and 
you and Chip. Are, you, wait a minute. You're not the guy Chip that keeps sending me emails, are you? Ah, the Chip off the old block. That's what I am. <laughs> hey, listen. You know, I, I either call you Nostradamus or I call you Karnak, the magician. Remember Johnny Carson with the with the envelope? Uh, 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 remember that one? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I like the guy from Channel 9. He used to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did the same thing. Like, yeah, I know. Stupid stuff. Like, you know. But uh, anyway. All right. It listen, works. <laughs> hold that stupid thought. And uh, we will uh, we will be back uh, in about two minutes, and we're scheduled to have uh, Dax Khan join us. And Dax got some uh, opinions on uh, uh, the uh, the Lewis Ortiz situation, and also uh, the WBSS, the World Boxing Super Series. And uh, this past weekend, Michael Perez uh, loses, so uh, that's starting to shape up. So we'll get Dax's thoughts on both of those in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening and watching the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. Don't forget, uh, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow, uh, but we will be uploading uh, a new program for you to watch. It's actually the... Uh, uh, the interviews, or I should say the uh, speeches that uh, our former world champion guest at the last Billy C. Boxing event uh, did, and you'll get to see uh, former world champions uh, Marlon Starling, uh, Ray Mercer, and Bobby Chez uh, all give their thoughts uh, at uh, uh, our last event, which was down in St. Simons. And, and you get to see, uh, finally, Sal Rocky Senecola uh, belted. No, I didn't punch him in his face. I belted him. I gave him a, 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 a belt. He was the only one in the room without one, aside from me, but I never deserved one. But uh, uh, anyway, so don't forget to uh, tune into our YouTube channel for that uh, tomorrow. Now, joining us right now to give us uh, his thoughts on the World Boxing Super Series uh, results from this weekend, and of course, uh, all of the discussion. Uh, surrounding uh, Luis Ortiz's failed drug test yet again. Will the Wilder fight take place? Joining us now, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How's everybody today? Good, I don't know. Dax, uh, good morning. Apparently, listen to Sal acting like he's just saying good morning to you now. I watched you guys have the whole conversation. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, hey, Bill, you know what you. I love? We, we were almost, I could see it now. When the, when the feel-good police... They're going to eventually ban boxing or take them blows to the head. It's just like Dax and I, we could have a boxing match, a virtual boxing. He could hit me, I could hit him, <laughs> just like this, over over a computer. It's great. That's yeah. where we're going to come to one day. I, you know, yeah. Dax is a, is a, we all know Dax and, and love him for his fast talking, uh, can't get a word in edgewise. It's pretty comical to watch you two guys from the camera, and Dax's lips are going a mile a minute. Sal's lips are going a mile a minute with all his antics and, and background stuff. I'm like, Jesus, I, I wish I could just unmute them, but they'll mute out my commercials that I'm forced to run, you know? 
But uh, anyway, it would be banned from radio or streaming live anywhere in the world. Yeah, well, I'm wor- I'm, I'm more worried about the TV that airs the uh, channels, but uh, that airs the commercials. But first and foremost, before we get into the Luis Ortiz thing, uh, Dax, um, the World Boxing Super Series uh, moved forward again. Uh, we now uh, uh, have four fights uh, under our belt. All the A sides seem to have won. I thought Perez was going to do a little better. I mean, he looked fantastic. I, I almost sickly, like I almost didn't recognize him. Uh, he's trimmed down really, really well. The fight itself looked kind of—I don't know—it it didn't look like, like we said earlier, it didn't look like a typical Cuban uh, fighter in there. He—he he didn't look refined. He—he—he he, he, he looked more like, you know, uh, a uh, uh, Jean Pascal style fighter uh, or a, a, a Bernard Hopkins sometimes when he would just go in and and flail away. What was your thoughts on, on the performance and, of course? Uh, how the World Boxing Super Series is progressing at this point. Well, first, I noticed the same thing that you did during the weigh-ins. Perez just did not look good. He looked in shape, yes, but, you know, he he, he looked like he was more or less dehydrated, you know. It, he just didn't look right to me. It almost reminded me of uh, Chris Bird years ago when he fought uh, Sean George, where he looked absolutely fabulous, but his body was drained, and there was nothing to offer during that fight. But, um, you know, it was an ugly fight. It was, you know, the first um, ugly fight of the series. I mean, you know, it, you had to have one. Uh, Bradis, he's, uh, he's, he, he's smothered. You know, he, he didn't show me anything that impressed me. Um, probably the worst fight I've ever seen of his career. Perez fought uninspired. We've seen that in his last few fights. Um, Murat Gassioff against uh, Christoph Lazarek is up next. That'll be down at the Prudential Center, which I'm going to, and I'm excited about that. But in my opinion, what this is going to boil down to in the end is going to be Alexander Usyk against the Junior Dorticos. Uh, you know, to me, those guys have already shown to be the class of the division, the class of this tournament. And I think Alexander Usyk right now, this is more or less going to end up a showcase event for him, even though the other fighters in here are very good. I just think Alexander Usyk prior and in his fight against Marco Huck showed, you know, he's that much better than everybody in this in this uh, division, in this series. And there are some good fighters in this series. Well, we got uh, a couple of uh, fights this weekend. Well, we have the uh, Chris Eubank, uh, Anvil, uh, Yildrum fight uh, for the super middleweight. I, I do believe that the cruiserweights are are taking uh, taking over this whole uh, tournament. They they just seem like the more interesting fights. Yeah, to me they are. You know, and that's because. You know, it, it's only in the United States. You know, we spoke about that a lot of times. Only in the United States is the cruiserweight division really not followed. That's why uh, top cruiserweights from the United States have gone overseas. But now, with the United States getting a chance to see these cruiserweights, and with all the um, the lack of action or the very few elite fighters that we have in the heavyweight division, you know, the cruiserweight division can become that, you know, the division to watch among the big men while the heavyweight division sorts itself out because we're not really seeing too much talent other than a few guys enter the heavyweight division to lighten to liven that up more or less right now it's the same top recycled names other than uh, Anthony Joshua uh, as far as the Luis speaking of heavyweights as far as the Luis Ortiz uh, situation with Deontay Wilder what's your thoughts well this is you know a lot a lot of you know that boxing is is it becomes such a TMC 
You know, I, I look at people out there. They make comments. You know, everybody's an expert. But you know what? The comments, whether or not it's on uh, social media or you see an article, they're experts about nothing. They're making this stuff up off their head. You know, it's like listening to, to little kids out in the street tell a story about something that happened. You know what? They have no facts. They have no idea because, you know, it all took place after their bedtime. You know, Ortiz, two banned substances came up inside that test uh, for Ortiz. Um, you know, those two banned substances, though, you know what? They were additives. You know, they, they were part part of uh, his blood pressure medications. You know, um, Luis Ortiz takes uh, uh, Lorsatin uh, and he takes uh, Atenol. Um, you know, Lorsatin is an angiotestin to receptor drug. Angiotestin Antagonist drugs, you know, they're they're banned by VADA, but, you know, they're not banned in that form. Now, Luis Ortiz has been on this medication for 10 months. This isn't something that just popped out of nowhere. It's just Luis Ortiz hasn't had to take a test. You know, he has documentation that he has been on these for 10 months. Now, Lorsatin is... Um, it's also, you know, Lorsan, uh, uh, Lestartan has been, you know, known in the past to be given to uh, people who suffer damage to the heart and to the kidneys from long-term PED use. And a lot of people are assuming that uh, Luis Ortiz takes this because of that and are assuming because that this drug contains a um, diuretic that he's trying to mask something. But Luis Ortiz is also on a uh, Adenol. Adenol has a side effect that caught that causes kidney damage, and it also promotes type 2 diabetes. These two drugs are given, uh, known, they're, it's very common these two drugs are prescribed together with people who have high blood pressure. And now, if somebody is suffering from past PED abuse and the and long-term effects, or they're trying to mask something, they're not going to have a doctor give them these two medications in combination. Also, if Luis Ortiz does not have a valid high blood pressure uh, condition, what's going to happen is the doctor that prescribes them to him, he has to answer to why he's prescribing these medications people forget doctors have to answer this is not a private doctor this is a doctor with you know a public practice you know this isn't a michael jackson type doctor that's working for luis ortiz you know on his own and of course you know what what person i don't care if uh, if it's you it's me it's sal let alone you know a high profile athlete goes and they get their masking agents from a walgreens pharmacy which is who per, uh, who fills uh the prescriptions for luis ortiz now what happened here is that the wbc they went out and like a TMZ they went and they re and they exposed and and they gave out the uh, the chlorothazonide and the hydrochlorothazonide results that tested positive inside of Luis's Ortiz test but what they didn't do is they didn't say that you know what these are two additives inside the active medications for the BP medicine you know these are not the main these are not the main uh, um drugs and you know so technically they're not masking medications this is a man who's in his mid-30s a matter of fact he's closer to the 40 year old age you know we don't know what his eating habits are so you know something for all we know Luis Ortiz just has high blood pressure this is very common it happens even Gabriel Montoya probably boxing the most uh, for most expert on PEDs when it comes to the media has said himself you know what it could just be the man is in his uh, late 30s and that he needs high blood pressure medications I find it hard to believe that this man with the biggest fight of his career and his career at the tail end is going to sit there and he's going to foolishly and so obviously knowing that this is going to come up at one point or another go and take these medications in a prescription form that are additives to blood pressure medications and fail this test and blow this fight that's foolishness it's nonsense it makes no sense exactly and that's that was one of my questions True. I was going to ask you I mean theoretically 
you know, he was caught twice before. Once he served the sentence. The other time I got shoved under the carpet. He got a warning. Why risk this fight? There's so much on the line. I, I don't understand why, why, uh, uh, why he would risk it. And then my other question would be, why wasn't it reported? Every fighter that's under any kind of medication, we, we learned it way back when uh, when uh, um, uh, fighters have, oh, yeah, my doctor uh, prescribed me testosterone. You know, well, th- why didn't you report it? Oh, I forgot. You know, no, you don't forget. You, you, you know, you know that you need to report that stuff. And, I, you know, that's a, a question mark. And then, and then the, the, the conspiracy theory with Deontay Wilder, you know, it, does there is there any merit there? I mean, you know, he's come out saying, "Oh, I, I'll fight him anyway," um, but that kind of puts an excuse built in. Should he lose? I mean, it is a little uh, confusing with this particular one. To me, it doesn't seem like Luis Ortiz would risk it. Um, but where is it going from here? But 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 see, that's the thing, Bill. Nobody said, and there's not been no confirmation, and no paper has been produced showing that Luis Ortiz did not disclose the fact he was on these blood pressure medications. But what they only that they uh, the only thing that they disclosed was these two uh, these two additives, uh, active ingredients inside of his blood pressure medications, the chlorothiazide and hydrochlorothiazide. That's all they disclosed. So you know something? It's like we're not getting the full story. If he didn't disclose this, but, you know, you can verbally confirm and you can um, give just a portion. And if you notice, when they show these results that show up on his test, they only show a small piece of paper that, you know, say that these two additives showed up inside of his system as diarrhea. Almost like, you know, they cropped and pasted that out there for uh, the see. So, you know, to me, it's all very shady. It's all very suspect. It does seem a little shady, and uh, I'm curious to hear what the official word, and I'm curious to see why and how Deontay Wilder has put the burden of making the fight happen on the WBC, Um, because quite honestly, if the WBC says, hey, forget it, we're not going to let Luis Ortiz fight, well, then why wouldn't they just move Stavern into that slot because he was the guy that got paid step-aside money. Something doesn't seem right with this. And it also doesn't seem right that Deontay Wilder has fully uh, said in the media that he's willing to fight him anyway. Because that makes no sense. I mean, to, to suggest that you're willing to fight someone that's cheating, um, first of all, it's not safe or smart. But second of all, it kind of, you know, kind of plants an excuse should you lose. I I want to hear more information. Are they looking into it? Is there any more information that should be coming out, Dax? As of right now, they're stating no. But, of course, because once guilty, always guilty, the burden of proof here is on Luis Ortiz. And then it's on to the WBC on whether or not to sit there and say, you know what, he did or he didn't. Now, as for Deontay Wilder, Dillian White continues to be his most persistent call-out opponent. But, you know, as you stated earlier on to the show, uh, Berman Stavern and uh, Dominic Brazil are going to be on the undercard of Wilder's uh, uh, next fight. But you know something? Of course, here's something. How would Berman Stavern, why was he ever paid to step aside money? Where did he ever get how did he ever get into a position where he should even get a rematch? And as for Dominic Brazil, you were an easy showcase opponent and an undefeated American fighter who was literally a showcase opponent for Anthony Joshua. And you know, if 
Deontay Wilder and his handlers were smart considering um, what guys like Danny Jacobs did just signed over with Matchroom Boxing. They would take this fight with Dillian White and they would sit there and uh, do business with Matchroom Boxing because if Deontay Wilder was able to dispose of Dillian White, who gave Anthony Joshua a hard time before he won the title, even shook Anthony Joshua up a little bit, what that would actually do is that would promote and that would just uh, literally double the demand for that fight and would uh, probably sell... You know, that fight would be pay-per-view ready and pay-per-view given if uh, Deontay Wilder was able to uh, face Dillian White and dominate. But it doesn't look to me that uh, Deontay Wilder wants to do that. He's happy just taking the uh, Donna Stevenson route and fighting the easy fights and just convincing the small uh, group of fans that he has here in America that uh, everybody else is out to duck him. He's another guy, as I continue to say on here all the time, that do we not see in situations like this and guys like Deontay Wilder and uh, Donna Stevenson, it's just so much shrinking American boxing as it's growing overseas. You know, you make a great point. Um, you know, Berman Stavern won the title, uh, loses it to Deontay Wilder, and then nothing's happened. Uh, the, the, you know, he was supposed to fight uh, uh, Wilder, he didn't. Uh, he was supposed to go and fight Povetkin. Povetkin test positive, so Stavern didn't fight him. So, so Stavern actually didn't hasn't fought anybody to earn the shot. Who, uh, unless I'm forgetting a fight, who who did he fight to earn the rematch with uh, with Wilder? I think he had one fight since. I'm not really sure. Remember, right after the fight, uh, he claimed that for various different reasons, how come he didn't perform inside that fight? But again, Berman Severn against Chris Ariola, that was just more or less a quick way to collect the sanctioning fee. But, you know, this is, it, to me, it's become irrelevant. You know, to be a champion, to be a talked-about champion in this era, you have to be a fighting champion that continues to defend your belt against top opposition at all times. You know, we have some great sensational fights that have been announced since the last time we were on air. You know, um, in December 2nd, you know, uh, Golden Boy is planning a, a spectacular card in New York. Uh, Miguel Cotto versus David Lemieux and then Lucas Matisse versus Adrian Broner as the co-feature. What do they you think of that card? Wait a minute. Are they signed, sealed, and delivered? Because I heard that the Cotto-Lemieux uh, fight was not uh, official. Is that official? As of the other, you know what, that's the only opponent left open for Cotto. Cotto wants to fight on December 2nd. Uh, he wants to fight at middleweight. Canelo Alvarez and Gennady Golovkin are not available for that date. The only other option would be a Charlo brother, but that would have to mean Golden Boy Promotions and uh, PBC Al Heyman working together, which, of course, we know isn't going to happen because Al Heyman is going to insist that his guys be the uh, the top name and they get the top billing. And, of course, somebody like Miguel Cotto, uh, who this is going to be the last fight of his career, and knowing Miguel Cotto is not a guy that likes to be the B-side. This isn't going to happen. So, you know, Golden Boy, of course, they want to help uh, raise David Lemieux's profile, win or lose against Miguel Cotto. So that fight is pretty much a guaranteed, you know, I'd say 98% for sure. You know, over overseas, again, you know, we have Liam Smith against the Liam Williams rematch. That's taking place November 11th. And then December 17th, we're going to have David Hay against Tony Bello too. And we're going to find out did Bello really beat David Hay or was David Hay's injury uh, legitimate? And did Tony Bello take advantage of a wounded animal? And then just announced today, Robert Garcia has stated and told Golden Boy, Mikey Garcia is ready to unify the lightweight titles with Jorge Linares. And they just want to know when Jorge Linares is ready to put the pen to paper. What about those fights? Well, first and foremost, uh, let me get your thoughts, Sal, on the possible David Lemieux against Miguel Cotto. I, I know you love Lemieux. I don't like the fight for Cotto. Cotto wants this to be his, his uh, swan song fight. 
you know, he's typically, like Dax just said, a guy that never wants to be the B-side. I don't think... Uh, I don't think he can beat David Lemieux. I, I really don't. I think David Lemieux is too strong for Cotto, and uh, Cotto has aged. I, Cotto has not shown me anything in terms of what it would take for him to beat David Lemieux. I think this is an extremely da dangerous fight uh, for Cotto's uh, swan song. Not that I don't respect him for taking a fight if it does happen, uh, but what's your thoughts on a potential matchup between Lemieux and Cotto? No, I, I'll tell you what. I respect Cotto for taking this kind of fight, but I, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll bet that Cotto is not going to leave this ring on his feet. David Lemieux, I, I think, just has too much firepower. And whatever flaws David Lemieux still is working on as far as hands, protection, defense, I, I don't think Miguel Cotto could hurt David Lemieux. And David Lemieux could take a decent shot. And I definitely would see if this fight is going to be set, signed, sealed, and delivered. David Lemieux is going to destroy Miguel Cotto. That's I, my opinion. I, I think he's too big and strong. Now, Dax, as far as uh, David Hay and, and the rematch with Bellow, uh, I don't care about this fight. You know I don't. I know you want me to say that. I really don't. I think it's a joke. Um, I, but you know what? I, the people over in the U.K. are willing to fork over money to see it, and that's the name of the game here. You know, uh, uh, it, to me, it's a joke. Uh, Tony Bello wasn't a heavyweight to begin with. Uh, you know, he rumored he was trying to get uh, deals in the heavyweight division. That never came. Uh, and David Hay is, is a has-been. You know, I never was impressed with David Hay. You know that. And this fight is just a sick. You know, it's it's sickening as far as that's my opinion. And as far as Mikey Garcia and Jorge Linares, uh, I like that fight. I, I think Mikey Garcia will, will beat Linares. Um, Linares is a, is a quality fighter. I, I kind of was waiting to see Mikey Garcia move, move up in weight. I, I know he can go back and forth. I, I guess the bottom line for Mikey Garcia right now is he's weighing out all options and more power to him. You know, he's a real fighter. That's what I love about Mikey Garcia. I, I don't care who is in the ring. It's going to be a good fight. I think against maybe Adrian Broner, and we've spoken about this before, I think Mikey Garcia kind of got a little dose of reality. And that's not to take anything away from his skill set, but I think Mikey sort of uh, understood. And, you know, Robert Garcia sort of understood that Mikey's power didn't quite carry up the way they were hoping. Um, as for, um, you know... This unification bout, why not? You know, something we need to unify champions, and this is a, you know, this this is a great step. And uh, Jorge Linares, he's a world class boxer. Jorge Linares is never in a dull fight himself, you know, as long as he's performing at his best. So, in my opinion, this would probably be the best fight there is at 135 pounds, and then the winner here can go and unify against the other champions. And now the biggest announcement already set for 2018 we're just waiting for the date is going to be Sorung Visa against Juan Francisco Estrada in Superfly 2 they're going to be the main event now remember Estrada won the right to fight Sorung Visa when he defeated Carlos Cudras in Superfly um, and that fight was going to be for the winner of Gonzalez against uh, Rung Visa Rung Visa and easily dispatched of Roman Gonzalez uh, who has a win over Carlos Estrada I mean um, Juan Francisco Estrada who actually you know after going down early against Kudras, you know, he outboxed Kudras and won by a wide decision, you know, so we might be seeing the two best uh, super flyweights in the world once this takes place, and it, in my opinion, if this is even half as good as Superfly 1, this could be the first mega event of 2018 when it's announced and when it happens. Yeah, good point. Um, yeah, you know, just to, just to comment on Mikey Garcia, um, and, and, you know, a lot of people said what you just said about 
him moving up in weight. His power didn't go with him. But I tell you what, what did uh, go with him was his uh, overall boxing ability because he made that fight not even close. Um, aside from knocking out Broner, who has demonstrated a solid chin, Dax, in, in, in you know, previous fights, um, Mikey Garcia dominated that fight from start to finish. I think he could be very competitive in the uh, junior welterweight division. And if his punching power does not come with him, his chin did because he took a few shots from, from Broner. I, I don't know. I think it boils down to, to the maximum amount of money that they can make. And I think he can make more money in the, uh, in the upper weight class. Not to take anything away from Mikey Garcia. I'm a huge fan, and I believe he's one of the top five pound-for-pound -pound fighters in the sport. But while Terrence Crawford is there, Mikey Garcia more or less would be fighting to see if he's the second best guy in the division. I don't think that because his power did not climb up with him, I think that, you know, of course he can match Terrence Crawford in terms of boxing ability, but I do not believe he'd be able to deal with Terrence Crawford's power. And that would be a bad fight. Why not take over a division and unify it, become the undisputed champion there, and then once Terrence Crawford, who's going to be leaving that division shortly, moves up to 147 pounds, climb up and take another division. Remember, Mikey Garcia, he's only had that one fight at lightweight before he took this fight against Adrian Broner. So his body isn't fully accustomed even to lightweight, let alone jumping up to a junior welterweight. Good point. And he's only been in a lightweight division for a few fights, truthfully. Exactly. You know, so uh, but uh, and Crawford is actually not the guy because he's moving. He, he's he's up a division now, too. He's moving up to uh, welterweight. So maybe they maybe they do need another yeah, when uh, he's officially up at welterweight. Lord, worry about it then. For right. right now, you know what? Stay in your lane. Exactly. Dax, I appreciate your insight <laughs> and uh, we'll be looking for you later. Looking forward to you later in the week. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. Take that's, care, Dax. That's Dax Khan. Uh, so uh, check out his uh, column up on BillyCBoxing.com. And uh, yeah, I, I tell you the truth, uh, Sal. Uh, all I'm thinking about right now is Cotto and David Lemieux. Because David Lemieux is going to destroy Cotto. That's not. That's not even. I. I, I mean, that's my opinion, Bill. Uh, I just think David Lemieux has too much firepower, and he'll hurt Cotto anywhere he hits him, anywhere he lands. Yeah, no, it, it's true. It's true. Uh, listen, let's take a short break. When we come back, I got a, uh, a long-winded email from my man Mike from Michigan. I'll get you guys caught up uh, uh, with uh, the uh, uh, NFL. Uh, we got some other uh, news to talk about, uh, so don't go anywhere. Uh, we'll be back uh, in about two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where? Back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Don't forget, we're not doing a live show tomorrow. But make sure you go check out our YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com slash Talkin, T-A-L-K-I-N, Boxing, B-O-X-I-N-G. And you'll be able to see the... Uh, uh, 
first time broadcast of all the uh, speeches, so to speak, and they were very good uh, from our last uh, Billy C. get-together. Former world champions Ray Mercer, Marlon Starling, and Bobby Chez, uh, along with Sal Rocky Senecola and myself, uh, were all uh, up on the podium, uh, individually, of course. And Sal, <laughs> you were uh, you were crowned uh, champion. Uh, that's worth the watch by itself, right? Well, thank you, man. It was it was inevitable. I, I it was my participation trophy. It you was were great, so surprised. You know, I, the the <laughs> the film caught the the actual surprise on your face. You you were just so shocked about that. You know, I, it it was an honor, and I appreciate it. And the gesture uh, said it all. And Billy, I'll never forget that moment. And I, <laughs> I, mean, I thank you. And I, you know I, what? I have Sal? my title belt in the background right there. You, and uh, you want to know the truth? Me. Hey, Sal, you want to know the truth? I'm never going to forget that moment either. <laughs> and, and, and I'll tell you another thing. I'm not going to forget the moments leading up to that either, especially. Oh, man, we had moments. Let me tell you <laughs> yeah. hey, did you get my speech on that on that tape? Yeah, you're on there. Oh, good. good. Wait till you I see what it says. Sure I wasn't wait, stage with my belt. Wait, wait till you see what it says underneath there. You know, it has what, everybody. like a caption? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. See, so now you even got to watch it. You know, so uh, anyway, uh, we got an email from my man, uh, Mike from Michigan, and he says, uh, hey, Billy C., I've watched uh, the Triple G Canelo fight seven times now, and I've scored it exactly the same, 116-112 for Triple G. And even though Canelo and Golden Girl, now he's mentioned Golden Girl, Golden Girl like but, but there happens to be a Golden Girl promotion, so I'm just going to refer to it as the real name, Golden Boy Promotions, are going to be purposely, uh, are going to wait purposely for eight months uh, to stage the uh, farce of a rematch. Canelo refers to this as a tiebreaker. Triple G will win this fight again. Triple G will be 36 by then. Uh, Canelo couldn't be more in his prime than he is right now. And I believe uh, Triple G is starting to show his age, even though in my heart of hearts, I do believe that Golden Boy promotions are going to stall and wait as they're going to go for Triple G to get even slower, older, etc. They will again escape with another shady no loss. HBO's Max Kellerman, who I used to believe was decent, Lampley, and y'all must have forgot, if only he would let us forget, are so heavenly, uh, heavily invested in the younger, more popular diva Canelo that they again will make a mockery of Triple G. Kellerman did just that. I don't know if Kellerman has a B-hop's nuts in his mouth or what, uh, but please excuse me, I'm so pissed off. What the F is Kellerman praising and praising and praising Canelo for? Max Kellerman admitted to scoring the fight for Triple G, yet he confesses to say Triple G isn't what he used to be. He'd favor Canelo in a rematch. And nonstop nut-hugging by Kellerman. You know who should be getting praised, Billy C. Triple G, that's who. From round 3 to 12, he was literally running at Canelo, and Canelo kept fading and fading as Triple G kept getting better and better. That's the story of the whole fight. A 35-year-old who had to wait until he showed his age before Oscar would consider putting Canelo, who didn't even make weight, seriously, watch the weigh-in and tell me that you've seen a fighter get on and off the scale as fast as Canelo did uh, with that moron Gomez holding up his hand as if to say stop it or apparently he didn't make the weight. Uh, he says, how confident do you think Triple G is going to be knowing Canelo is going to always fade and Triple G is always going to relish in outworking a much younger opponent? All I know is who won that fight. I even tried to, my best to give Canelo rounds, but I couldn't because he can't fight a 12-round fight. It's not in him. 
we should be praising Triple G because he clearly, without a doubt, in my mind and the vast majority's mind, uh, outworked and outhustled a younger diva's face of boxing and now saw a loser in Canelo. And the one person I used to think that could keep it real was Behop. But the man can't even admit he got knocked out of the ring by a construction worker. <laughs> Billy, I'm right. I'm right. Uh, shouldn't that? Be, he says I am a Triple G fan, but I'm a boxing fan first. I know who wins and loses. Can we stop calling this and draw and just cause rightfully uh, call it what it is? It was a win for Triple G. On a side note, that diva sissy Canelo couldn't even give Triple G any respect in the ring. In his post-fight interview, when Kellerman showed his true colors and smirked when he said Triple G seems to want you uh, to stand still, uh, what WTF was that? Triple G got booed on his walk to the ring, cheered for beating Canelo and getting a lame draw, and Canelo walked out to cheers on his ring walk, and some gave uh, major boos to Canelo. Uh, when he gave disrespectful answers. I'd be the first person to admit if I thought a fighter uh, lost a fight. Uh, he says, you know I love Prodognikov, but he lost to Matisse. Uh, Pack lost to Floyd. I'm a boxing fan first and a specific fighter fan second. Modern fans have, have that ass backwards. God, I hate HBO now. <laughs> and this is from my <laughs> man Mike from Michigan. Uh, I think he thinks Triple G won that fight. What do you think? Well, not only does Mike think that Triple G won that fight, but I do think that Triple G won that fight. And maybe we should take that stand. Triple G won that fight. I watched that fight over and over. And like he said, I tried to give rounds to, you know, Canelo as far as him stealing the rounds. And, you know, I, I still have Triple G winning that fight. Granted, he could have turned it on in the 11th and 12th round a little more, uh, which I think uh, Canelo did win uh, or did, did uh, was a busier fighter. But I still feel in my heart of hearts that the Triple G won the majority of those rounds and did and uh, did win that fight. That was my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Yep, no doubt, I agree. Just some quick news reports. Uh, uh, the uh, they were reporting the Triple G Alvarez fight generating 1.3 million, but as you heard, uh, uh, Golden Boy said that that's not true. So we'll uh, anticipate and see what comes out a rumor has it that it was around 1.7 um the gaziov lazara card which is taking place in new jersey uh under the tutelage of my main man larry hazard uh has a really good undercard as well matuzmas masternak uh will be taking on stevens bojuha uh on the uh, co-feature and then also uh mesek saluki uh, undefeated uh, uh, fighter in a welterweight division will be taking on uh, only twice beaten Jack Colke. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. And like I mentioned earlier, uh, Demetrius Andre, 24-0 in the uh, uh, junior uh, middleweight division. He's currently the WBA champion. Will be taking on Atlantis Fox, uh, who's also undefeated on the same day, October 21st, up at the Turning Stone in Verona, New York. And I'll be ringside for that. And as uh, Dax uh, stated earlier, uh, the uh, Tony Bellew-David Hay rematch will be taking place in London on December 17th. I really don't give two craps about that. David Hay, in my opinion, has uh, always been a fraud and always will be. I hope he gets knocked the F out again. Sunday's NFL football started off oh with a uh, game from... Europe, uh, the Saints uh, beat up on the Dolphins 20 to nothing. Uh, how about this game? The Buffalo Bills 
beat the previously unbeaten uh, Atlanta Falcons 23-17. to The Falcons lose for the wow. first time in their career. The Bills find themselves in first place in the AFC East. Congratulations to the Buffalo yes. Bills. Uh, also, uh, speaking of firsts, uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they won their first game. They beat the Browns 31-7. The Browns are off to an 0-4 start. Uh, sad teams that are off to 0-4. Uh, the Rams, oh, yeah. they quietly are 3-1 and right now. They beat the Cowboys, a team I thought would definitely be in the mix for a Super Bowl run, 35-30. The Lions keep winning 14-7 over the Vikings, a game that I won some money on. I'm pretty happy about. Uh, the Panthers <laughs> beat the Patriots 33-30. to The Patriots are 500 at 2-2. Two two. The Steelers got back on a winning track. They beat the Ravens 26-9. The Texans beat the snot out of the Titans 57-14. to Mario Morata, uh, the starting quarterback for the Titans, went down in that one. Uh, the Cardinals and the 49ers, it took overtime to decide a winner. The Cardinals won 18-15. The Eagles... Uh, they beat the Chargers 26-24. The Eagles are on top of the NFC East, and the Chargers are still looking for their first win. The Buccaneers, they beat the Giants. And, man, nobody loves the Giants <laughs> sinking deeper and deeper into the abyss than yours truly. The Giants now are 0-4 after falling to the Bucks 25-23. Once again, they had their chances to win the game, only to lose uh, via a field goal that barely made it through. I'll tell you that. It barely made it through. Uh, the Broncos beat the Ra the Raiders 16-10. to And uh, Derek Carr went down again in this one. And the Raiders still had a chance to uh, come back and win. The Seahawks over the Colts 46-18. to And boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, and children of all ages, the J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 won in overtime over the Jaguars 23-20. to Trust me when I tell you, the Jets tried their hardest to blow this game many, many times during this game. They tried, and they failed uh, because they, they came yeah. out and won, and they too squeaked out a field goal to win the game in overtime, and they almost blew the overtime as they don't – this stupid coach doesn't even know how to manage the clock. Uh, they, they wait. They're waiting for the clock to run out in overtime. Did somebody had a whisper in his ear, hey, dude, it doesn't matter. All we have to do is score, and the game is over. We don't need to run the clock down. They're not going to get the ball again. You know, this is the stupidity of Todd Bowles. But anyway, my Jets are 2-2. Two and two. They are tied for second place in the AFC East with the Patriots. I can't believe it. I just can't believe it. I'm going crazy. The Jets still may not win another game. But uh, all I'm saying is that's what it is uh, in the NFL uh, football and speaking of NFL football, Sal, Monday night football, the Chiefs against the Redskins. Uh, the Chiefs are seven point favorite, and the point total is 50. Here's Billy C. Stradamus's pick. I'm playing the under in this game, under 50 for the Chiefs and the Redskins. I do believe the Chiefs are going to win the game. I'm not sure if they're going to cover by seven. I like the Redskins. They're a tough team. They're going to fight to the end. The Chiefs are going to win this game. They are home. They are going to win this game. But don't look for a big scoring night. I'm taking the under in this game. Phew. I feel like uh, Billy the man, Greek. You just, you just let it all out of the bag, I'll man. I tell you. I'm just excited about the Jets. As much as I can't stand <laughs> the coach be. and the quarterbacks and everything else, I'm happy that they're 2-2. Two and Because two. as Bill Parcells once said, 
you got to break the season down in quarters. The first quarter of the season's already over, and the Jets are at 500, so it could be a lot worse. On this day, October 2nd in boxing history, in 2004, Jeff Lacey knocks out my man Sid Vanderpool. I say my man because I know him personally. In the eighth round, to win the vacant IBF World Super Middleweight title took place in Las Vegas. On this day in 1939, Safrino Garcia knocks out Fred Ospitali in the seventh round to win the World Middleweight title took place in New York City. On this day in 1987, Gianfranco Rossi wins a 12-round decision over Lupi Aquino to win the WBC World Junior Middleweight title at took place in Italy. On this day in 87. On this day in 2004, Kasim Uma wins a 12-round decision over Vernal Phillips to win the IBF World Junior Middleweight title, and that took place in Las Vegas. On this day in 1976, Gutty Espiradas knocks out Alfonso Lopez in the 13th round to win the vacant WBA World Flyweight title, and that took place in Los Angeles. California on this day in 1976. On this day in 1999, Ricardo Lopez wins a 12-round decision over Grigsby, uh, Will Grigsby to win the IBF World Junior Flyweight title. That, too, took place in Vegas. On this day in 1980, Larry Holmes knocks out Muhammad Ali in the 11th round to win the World Heavyweight title in, in Las Vegas. Uh, sad day for Muhammad Ali fans. Uh, this, was, uh, this was a sad day for Larry Holmes. He certainly didn't want to. Uh, put the beating on uh, the late greatest uh, Larry Holmes. And finally, on this day in 1993, in the first all-British world heavyweight title fight, Lennox Lewis stops Frank Bruno in the seventh round to retain his WBC world heavyweight title, and that took place uh, in the U.K. Uh, on this day in 1993. Sal, that concludes our show for today. Everybody, programming note we're not doing a live show tomorrow but we will be back better than ever on wednesday with larry hazard and our blast from the past which is julian jackson and uh don't forget make sure you find uh our uh, youtube page tomorrow to get the uh recording of our last billy c get together which took place at the sea palms resort in st simon's island and look for the next date to be announced soon and you're not going to want to miss it but uh until then make sure you tune in Wednesday morning, same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, ciao, baby. <laughs>